0: Trying to
1: go. That I the am not going to go
2: to did well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, y'all. Good morning.
1: How about now? That it? All right. Grace and peace, everyone. Good to be together this morning. Uh, to Gary and to Ken, who's not here today. Ken is in Hawaii. Oh, yes. This was this was supposed to happen right before COVID. And here they are, finally getting to go. But thank you, Gary and Ken, for, for leading us last week while Kurt and I were learning churchy things, right? <laughs> it was good. We got to about three chapters last week. <laughs> <laughs> this got guy, guy finish marks. <laughs> yeah, right. It was good. It's good. All right, I'm going to quiz you. Name this song. I'm going to give you a couple verses from the psalm <laughs> surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the Lord forever 23. what Psalm three, four, five, five, said 20, 23. 20. who said that carrie did and kurt did y'all are right. y'all give him a hand that is the end of psalm 23 now kurt and carrie what is the first verse of psalm 24 who knows That's right. I'll give that one to him. Yeah, it's like (laughs) Psalm 23, it's it's like the most famous psalm, of course. And yet we miss the first verse of the next one. Those psalms were arranged in the way they were for a reason. And so you hear that word, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will be with God forever. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I just get it. No, no, no. Oh, that's 25, my bad. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm trying to create a moment here, Kurt. I'm (laughs) I'm I'm helping you. So, in light of that, uh, I begin with a challenge to kind of get familiar with Psalm 24. We're going to be talking about, I mean, we all know this. Uh, When we talk about the goat, what are we talking about? I'm ready. (laughs) Right, yeah. At least in the football world, right? The greatest of all time. And uh, we uh, are quick to establish criteria of what that would be for different people in different arenas of life. you think about the goat, think of Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it.
0: For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may
1: stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he? The King of glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. (laughs) Amen.
2: You've heard the song. You've heard the reality. Is that what today is going to be for you? Is that better? That's better. Alright. Maybe I'm a little too much. I don't know. I can't turn it down, so be quiet.
0: Okay, I'll be smart right. So you heard the song? Is God
2: completely in control everything great? It's bubbles in love today? Not based on my Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's a crazy argument. <clears throat> we don't completely understand ancient Hebrew as well as we think we do, um, or as much as we would want to. There's an argument in Hebrew whether there's a prospective tense in Hebrew. I'm sure you want to know this Um, it comes from other languages that are around Hebrew and a perspective tense is that you make a statement and it's either you're hoping that it's true versus you're declaring that it's true so the Lord reigns in heaven do the Hebrews mean that as a declaration of truth or Is it the the sense of it's a perspective? It's a hopeful thing. You're saying it, hoping that it's true. So the other languages around Hebrew do this frequently, um, but we're not sure that the Hebrews do it. This is, I I know it's sort of far afield, but it's sort of where we're going today in, in the reality. The disciples, the Jews, for so long had chanted the Psalms, had prayed them, and said these things, and then God actually shows up, and it's like nothing they ever expected. Today, we're going to get into, again, another huge teaching that Jesus is laying out, and this teaching was so successful That when we go through this, you're going to think, oh, well, everybody knows that. Everybody thinks that. Well, not everybody at this time thought that. In fact, nobody really thought it. And so we sort of have to appreciate with the disciples how much is changing. Realize how far these disciples have come. They first started following Jesus because he was a rabbi. And then they figured out oh, he's he's kind of a rabbi that's different from other rabbis. He he teaches with authority, shimcha He he teaches a school of thought they'd never heard before. And then he starts in with the miracles. So he's sort of a rabbi plus. He's raising people from the dead. He's doing exorcisms. So they're like oh well. And then finally we get to the place where maybe maybe he's the messiah. And one of the things we always miss is we conflate all of those things together. We think Messiah means Son of God. We think there's only one Messiah. All these kind of weird things. But it it was layers that Jesus was was revealing. Last week, or I guess two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that he revealed himself to be the Son of Man. This was a divine figure that the Jews had thought was going to be there on the Day of Judgment the one that judges all of humanity. The Son of Man was never associated with a Messiah. And so Jesus is revealing this huge, huge reality when he says in a real way, I'll see you all again someday. Uh, you'll see me the day that you're judged. So this, this was a huge bombshot. And then Jesus takes three of his disciples, right? Uh, he has 12 And then he really has kind of a core, and then really has one. But he takes them to uh, Mount Tabor, and he reveals, in a sense, what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. He shows himself to be the Son of Man. So these have been huge, huge uh, revelations. The pace is... Can I interject one thing? Sure. Sure. And then in the middle of all of this,
1: he says he's going to suffer and die, and rise again. It's like totally mind-blowing. They, don't, they, they completely don't understand.
2: I mean, it's like a zombie thing. They, they have no conception that you can come back from the dead. They, they, they sort of think maybe at the end of the world, when we're judged, <clears throat> we'll get new bodies. <clears throat> Jesus is changing a lot of that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Jesus is talking about resurrection now, he's talking about today in paradise and all these things. So their, their mind is blown. So let, let's uh, go back to 33, um, just to, for, for my sake to ground this. So after they arrived at Capernaum, and remember Capernaum is kind of their home base, This is the largest Jewish town on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's one of these fishy towns where Jews are catching fish to sell to Romans. Capernaum is the largest of these, about a thousand. It's where the Roman garrison is. Uh, It's where Peter is living. So they go there and they settle in a house. This was typical traveling rabbis went out and sort of set their reputation and people would host them. So, uh, someone in Capernaum is hosting Jesus and disciples. Jesus asks the disciples, uh, what were you discussing out on the road? Now, how do rabbis teach? They ask questions. And in Jesus' case, there's there's lots of different types of rabbis, but... One of the branches that Jesus takes is called uh, the Haggadah. So he teaches through parables. He teaches through real-life experiences, uh, and he's about ready to do it. So the rabbi never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. So when your mom and dad come home and they've been gone for the weekend, and they ask, uh, what did you do this weekend? They know the answer. They're just giving you a chance to confess. But they didn't answer, because they had been arguing about which was the greatest. (coughs) The goat. The goat (laughs) the greatest of all time. Now, to a certain degree, Jesus fostered this, right? Because he took some up into the Mount of uh, Transfiguration, but he didn't take them all. But it's easy to forget these guys are young. And... (sighs) It's, it's just the
1: way the world works, right, Steve? Everybody wants to know their pecking order. One thing I want you to write in your notes whenever you come back to, to Mark. One of the values of our nation is the value of competition. you all agree with that? And, uh, man, Midland is like, mmm, uh, it's right there. And we're so quick to say that competition is a wonderful thing. And there's always a shred of truth to these kinds of statements. But when you take these things to an extreme, just like Sunday, if you're in the late service, remember this this phrase, you be you. Is that that a good biblical kingdom statement? (laughs) Maybe a shred of truth in that. But for the most part, to walk down the the trail of you being you, leads to a very self-centered, self-serving life, which is not what we're made for, right? And so when you start thinking about competition, and I'm a, I'm a big sports fan there it is. I'm right there with you. I love the competition of sport. But when it bleeds over into the competition of relationships and your capacity to give and to receive love, it's a problem. Like the, the
2: biblical love, right? It becomes a problem. So just kind of note that competition question mark. Because that's what's happening here. They're having an argument that's based off this competitive mindset. And it was normal. Rabbis would take disciples uh, based on their skills and their abilities. The, the selecting of disciples was, was a meritocracy. And there was a ranking among the disciples. Remember, the, the rabbi's not going to write anything down. He's going to entrust it all to his disciples. So normally, there would be a pecking order. Just like if you're working for a law firm, right? There's there's an order within with the partners and all of that. So as strange as it sounds to us, and this is what I mean, that Uh, Jesus has done such a good job with this teaching that we don't recognize how different the world was. What the disciples were doing here, I think really is sponsored by Jesus taking them up on the mountain, but it's not unusual. It's really not. Uh, But Jesus is going to radically change that with his next statement. He sat down, called the disciples over to him and said,
0: whoever wants to be first, so like steve is saying
2: uh there's still that desire okay you you want to be the top disciple i will show you how to be the top disciple there is a competition but realize i mean jesus he's he's a master teacher he's a master um and he's going to hit full speed on rabbi here in a minute um I, I don't even know how to put it in words. So he, what, what he's doing here is completely messing with their mind. But, okay, you want to rise to the top. You want to be a partner to this law firm. This is what it takes. Um, the first must be, or the first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. So you want to be a partner to this law firm? Then you've got to worry about the least of these, the, the last one. <laughs> And, and please, you know, appreciate that moment. They've been trying to learn his teachings, understand his interpretations, follow what he says, understand his prophecies, get all the things. And suddenly he says, this, um, you've got to be the last person
0: in order, it's, it's very counterintuitive, right, Steve? So I mean, it's, yes. um, it's not
2: human nature, it's not culture, Now, one of the things Jesus does here, I believe, um, based on verse 36, uh, that he puts a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to him, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also the Father who sent me. Remember, we're dealing with this in Greek translation, we have plenty of evidence that Jesus speaks uh, only Aramaic. Hebrew and Aramaic. And so the word for child in Aramaic is
0: talia. So talia. And it's also the word for servant.
2: And so Jesus really does seem to be playing on this. <clears throat> so we could translate verse 35. Um, whoever wants to be first must take The last place and be the child of everyone else or we could later say uh, he took a servant among them and took the servant in his arms which would sound a little strange but jesus changed the way the world treated children and i know this sounds counterintuitive what is more basic in human nature than a parent, mother, loving their child. Everybody has always cared for their child. No, they haven't. Not at the same level that we do. In a sense, Western culture is radical in its way that we elevate, love, children. No, I always say this, no other culture builds Disneyland but the West, I mean, if you've ever tried to take your, your children uh, on a tour of, like, the Third World. Um, have you had them in the Third World yet? Uh, some spots in Turkey. Some spots in Turkey, right. There's plenty of McDonald's and there's plenty of playgrounds, right, for the kids. I mean, even Europe's hard. Uh, they don't quite get the kid thing. Kids in the, the Greek world, the Roman world were were a different kind of of category altogether. Uh, I don't really want to get into all this, but uh, the the Romans were pretty renowned for uh, if you had a daughter, uh, you just left her out in the field to die. Um, I didn't bring it, but there, there's a famous letter. They uh, have unearthed. It's, a, it's a Roman who's out of town and his wife is pregnant. So he wrote a little letter and says, honey, don't worry. As soon as I get paid, I'll send the money back to you. So how things change and how they stay the same, right? The the, the wife wants the money. And then he just adds, oh, nonchalantly. Oh, um, if the baby comes before I get back, if it's a boy, keep it. If it's a girl, expose it, which means leaves it out in the field to die for either slavers or animals to take it. They do this because it's hard to have big families. We always imagined because of the Depression era that people wanted big families to have kids to work. The average family size in about 230 B.C., a deep, deep study, was one child. Uh, They don't really have abortion. So A child is not considered uh, part of the family until the father picks it up and accepts it. And a lot of times the fathers won't, uh, or they'll just sell the children. A good father, we've talked about this before in Rome, is a father that only sells his son into slavery twice. Okay, this is, is, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but this is sort of what Jesus is changing here. Um, children were the extreme to be seen and not heard now the Hebrews are different Uh, they do not allow the exposure they do not allow abortions but there is a strong cultural similarity that the head of the household is the man period, end of story everybody is there to serve the man yeah, I personally don't have any problem with that. But anyway, um, so especially in Roman society, uh, the, the dad is 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 everything. Um, so the family consists of the wife, the accepted children, the slaves, and their children. So it's much much larger. Realize, Aramaic is not Hebrew, but. Um, you get the connection, right? That servant and child is the same word. The kids are really to be seen and do much as they can to carry their weight. Now, it's different for Roman aristocracy and all that, but for, uh, for Jesus' con- conversation here,
1: uh, it's, it's a big deal.
2: So, can a child talk to a rabbi? No, not unless a child is being taught at a synagogue. It's not appropriate. You'll see this later on when some children um, try to approach Jesus. In this case, I think they were street urchins. They were kids on the on the streets. But um, to, the, those kids don't approach the rabbi. It's inappropriate. And Jesus will flip that, um, just as he's doing here. Um, remember, I say Jesus likes Haggadah. He likes... Uh, teaching examples. He likes weird things and services that make people remember it. And so he brings a child and sits a child in his lap. And the disciples are like, what? What? No, no, no. It's part of our job to protect you, to keep the the, the people away from you.
0: No. So it's a it's a huge huge switch. One more thing I want y'all to
1: upload whenever y'all are studying this in the future and to continue to allow it to settle <laughs> into your soul. I feel like Kurt and I, since September of 2021, I think that's when we started this, we've been grinding a little bit of an axe. It's, really, it's really opened up. It's like something really new for me even. Uh, but it's, once you start seeing it, you see it everywhere. Now, we, we, we're familiar with Jesus' language around this stuff, right? To be servant of all, and we struggle with that. I mean, what does that really mean, to serve everyone? Well, is this, is this like a new thing, a new teaching? One of the things that Pastor Kurt and I will regularly say is that the project of the kingdom of God is to move humanity back to the goodness of the garden. When you hear servant of all, This is why Adam was placed in the garden. Placed there for two things. Remember those two things? Avad and shemar. So we're we're almost getting there, Kurt. Right? We're getting there. Avad and shemar. And normally that's translated to to work
0: and till the soil or something along those lines, right? Well the meaning is much deeper than that. That that word Avad
1: is that. That you, you arrange your life in such a way as where you bring forth life. You put the seed in the ground, you water it, you harvest it, you grind it up, and it makes bread, right? And people live. Right? To be a servant is to, to order your life in such a way as where you are not taking life, but you're giving it right? And The vision of the kingdom of God is to restore us to to God's original intention of garden for Adam and for Eve. And so, this servant language—it's like—it seems like, what do you mean, serving everyone? You've been arguing about who was the greatest. Well, the greatest will become like Adam. That's what it looks like to be made in my image, because this is what God does.
0: Thoughts, questions on this? So just put right in Genesis
1: 2.15. Yes, Richard. I, I think it was badly, I was reading it, and then we could, I, I honestly don't get the concept of if you want to be first, you go last because that's in Matthew somewhere I just read it too. It is. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, get it. What's he trying to? God bless you. You're doing exactly what the
2: disciples did. That's right. They heard this and they thought, what, what is he talking about? Look, look at what they say. This is a response in 38. John said to Jesus, Rabbi. We saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told them to stop because they weren't part of our group. What did they just do? Yeah, they completely changed the subject. <laughs> and I love the fact that John is trying, right, to be a baby rabbi. He's asking you a good question. <laughs> so It's like your child, you know, what'd you get on your math uh, test today?
0: Oh, uh, what's for
2: dinner? (laughs) What? They're they're totally trying to change the subject. Because, Richard, you're right, this is so hard. What does that really mean, Jesus? Nobody listens to this child. Um, I haven't sacrificed my job, my family, my, my everything to follow you,
0: to be a slave,
2: to be a child. I, 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 I want to be the best, not, not the least. So they've asked a question ignoring Jesus's question, or really ignoring Jesus's teaching. And this is where I think it gets really, really interesting. Jesus is going to go full bore on them here um, because he, he wants them just to stop this behavior. Um, like Steve said, it's turning into the competition again. Um, they're asking this question that somebody is violating their franchise, right? He's not part of our group. Um, we just had this scenario where they did an exorcism that failed because they weren't staying connected to God. And so suddenly they're, they're including Jesus in this, but they want to be the only ones have this. You know, somebody else is is taking some of their their status, their credit. So his response, don't stop him. No one who performs a miracle in my name will be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water, Because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will be rewarded. So Richard, he's trying to spell out what this really means. That we look at people differently. Instead of immediately asking, am I above them? Am I below them? Asking, what are they doing for God? And how can I help that? Uh, One of the things that Steve and I did last week in Kansas City was listen to a group that's trying to create uh, home churches outside of any
0: denomination or any church. And so it's just a bunch of different churches coming together
2: and trying to plant new churches. And I hate to say it, it's kind of counterintuitive for pastors, right? Because if we plant a church, we want control, we want, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, I kept thinking of these teachings from Jesus. What happens if you watch what God is doing and be part of that? If you take even the smallest acts of faith, um, here this cup of water, Jesus is staying in a house, and the people are obviously feeding them, providing for them. This is what people did for rabbis that traveled uh, when they set their, their yoke, they shared with people. Um, but some people are going to be better hosts than others. Uh, some people may not invite you into the house. They may just give you a cup of water. Uh, Jesus says, acknowledge that. Don't write people on what they do for you or what they can do for you. Write people based on their ability, their desire to reach to God, and it's it's completely different. Question. Yep. Was this Peter's house in Capernaum? I don't think so. And I, that's just speculation on my part. Certainly, we know it was the place. But when they do that before, they tell us it's Peter's house. And so they don't do that here. Uh, to a certain degree, it's a lot of prestige. If you do host the rabbi, we know what's Jesus' reputation in Capernaum. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they love him. I mean, they'll, they'll cram it. So there, there may have been competition. Um,
1: mm-hmm. How... how? Does John specifically? Just call him out. How do they not see the irony? in the
2: Pharisees are completely persecuting them and talking trash about them. <laughs> and he's sitting here saying, "Oh, that guy's not." That. Why is this constantly happening? That they don't see. They get the blind, and their heart, hearts are hard. But I feel like if one of us got hit in the head that many times, we would probably get it eventually. Right. But there is no eventually. I think there is an eventually, if you read the later letters, like we do with Peter, realize uh, they're young. They're 20s. Uh, you know, I tried to date two girls in high school. Why did I do that? What what in God's name possessed me that that was a good idea? Yeah, exactly. So, in a certain degree, I, I give the disciples some credit. What, what, did, uh, what did they really
1: know? So... Well, and They're also. This is huge cultural change, and it's not a very long time period to absorb it. Agreed. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. I? You got to speak louder,
0: Derek. Rocky. Rocky Balboa.
1: Rock. Oh. Eater, that's right. That is right. Yeah, it's a rocky road following Jesus, right there? That's for sure. You know, uh Jeff, I think your question's is such an important one. Because you know, we're we're attended as as these uh books became scripture, right? As the, the Jews before, you know, it was a lifetime of reading the Torah over and over and over again. The same with us. It's like there are things we just don't get, right? Uh, Most people, when they start following Jesus, they don't get the fact that they're actually called to be a doormat. I mean, we get all, oh, I don't don't want to be a doormat. Well, (laughs) when Jesus washes feet, he, in essence, is becoming a doormat for his disciples, He's cleaning their feet. And he says, what you have seen me do, you do that. Now, was that a big reach for him? Huge. Oh, my gosh. And so it takes so much time for us to come to grips that actually living this sort of life is greater than being on top culturally. Long time. Because getting up here, Comes with this whole different set of pains and challenges that being who we're made to be to bring life. I mean, y'all all experience it when you have served, when you have done something that you that you can observe, right, Tom, that benefited somebody else, and that you like, I got to be a part of that. It feels so good. Well, why the heck does it feel so good? Because that's how God made us. I intended us to be, and it's a long journey uh, for us getting to get into that place. Like our marriage, like our marriages really become the training ground for this. <laughs> Thanks, Brent. Right, and about the time we're starting to get it uh, in our marriages. Kids come along, and it's like our calling to serve our kids a lot.
2: Jesus thinks this is vitally important, though, and I think it would have been easy for the disciples to dismiss this. Well, he's having an off day. We're going to run out of time, but let me just touch on it, 42. But if you cause one of these little ones, and I, I think Jesus is playing again on that child servant... Who trusts me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. Um, doesn't that sound like a mob threat? You're gonna get the concrete boots. Um, let, let me show you real quick um, the millstone that we're talking about. This isn't just like, uh, oh, wow, Sorry. That's okay. That thing. Ooh. So we actually have historical records of this being used as a form of execution uh, during the revolt against Herod, the first one. Uh, they, some of the people in Galilee caught uh, some of Herod's entourage, some of his, his you know, servants and assistants and that. And that's exactly what they did to him. Uh, they found one of these, tied their necks, and threw it in the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is showing a little hometown charm here, Um, but he's warning them. Look, do you remember when our people went crazy and, and drowned those guys? It's worse for you if you hurt a child. In Rome, it was not illegal, not even immoral, for you to sleep with your slaves' children. Just normal. It's like a TV. It's what you do. This is where human behavior goes. What I worry about so hard is that people forget how much of the world Jesus changed with these statements and the way that we treat each other, the way we treat children or servants, people less than us. It's, it's so counterintuitive. And people want to dismantle the Christian system thinking that it's just basic human behavior that treats children well and all of that. Well, when we dismantle what Jesus taught, then I think we're going to revert to a world that we don't recognize. Um, what What is life like for children in India? Now. Now. Today. This morning. It's really pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not um, what, what we face um, this yep. they still send them in the river and out the rivers pretty pretty bad now yeah and two out of three of them died so I as if you are a female born female right. or not born yep. so Jesus changing the world um, and maybe that's the power of Jesus' teaching right we can't just get it in a minute um, we can't. the answer's not seven. Right? There's 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 a lot to this. So Jeff, you you would think, okay, this very start teaching they would get. It. Well, you know when they have this conversation again? Right? After Jesus says, One of you will betray me.
0: They start having an argument about which one of them is the greatest. Wow.
1: <laughs> it's like Lord help our spouse. <laughs> Anyway,
2: we better stop. Any last questions? Appreciate the questions. tonight. That's really good. Uh, quick comment: Where do these guys tend
1: to get their sons if they, they ask all these girls aside? <laughs> <laughs> ask the Chinese that question, <laughs>
0: right? Um, strangely enough, there always tend to be enough girls. So, yeah, but girl's cost money always don't. Anyway, let's pray.
2: Lord our God, we are reminded this morning of how animalistic we still can be. We want the biggest share of the meat. We'll fight anybody for it. Even though we may claim to follow you and claim to want to go to the garden, there's still that vicious animal in us. Help us today to do at least as well, if not better, with the disciples. To really understand what you are trying to teach us. To be human. To be a Christian. To be a disciple of you. Help us to look at the world upside down. Not for what we can get, but what we can give. What we can do. Father God, we know we don't understand all of heaven. But we know this is a huge part of it—that those that put themselves last, like you did, are raised to the greatest glory. So help us to do our best to gain that glory by doing for the children. In your son's name, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys, thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh, no, we got it.